You're listening to Were You Still Talking? Hey, welcome back. It's Joel Albrecht again. It is Were You Still Talking? Which you just heard on the, introdu- on the introduction. Today in my studio, I have Eric Slavowski. Um, I knew I was going to forget to ask him how to pronounce that. And Eric is, he's from a small town in North Dakota. He is a writer. He's a personal trainer. He's a development coach and recently a stand-up comic. I'm going to ask him about all those things. He's slightly obsessed with contact sports, world travel, avocados, big dogs, coffee. He also has cats, I believe. I've got to ask him about those from the get-go because that's what my wife wants to know about. Eric has traveled to all 50 U.S. states and more than 50 countries He's bumped into a lot of things along the way. Once walked the Camino Trail across a slice of France and most of Spain, all Forrest Gump-like. He did 800-plus kilometer pilgrimage in 27 days, covering more than 1.2 million steps in a $25 pair of shoes. I find that absolutely amazing. I always wondered how many steps uh, you would cover in 27 days. I'm always looking at my steps. I don't think I've gotten close to 1.2 million in 27 years. Oh, no, I haven't had it that long. So, Eric, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Even better now here to be with you and just really excited about this. Been looking forward to this for a while and great, great to be on the show. Uh, awesome. That's nice to hear. I've been looking forward to talking to you. You have, um, there's way too much on your website that we could even get into. I was reading the 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 little, little like 10 page introduction uh, I did pretty well on your test, but not quite. Um, it's uh, oh, and how do you pronounce your name? It's Slavoski. Slavoski. Hey, I okay. Close. I was pretty close. Yeah. EricSlavoski.com. It's a fun website. Fun place to go. It's where its personal uh, coaching is starting, and this is one of the few people. I got to tell you, you're one of the few people where. Uh, you're starting a personal coaching business and you are a coach. I mean, you started out actually being a coach, which is, I think, pretty rare. Pretty rare. And you had, uh, um, you know, have you ever heard of the Oregon Ducks? You ever heard of that? I've, I've heard of them. Uh, it's yeah. that team out west. I, yeah. It's that team out yeah. west. In fact, I live... where I live here, if we ever have a football season, oh, uh, yeah. Oof. There's a pretty good team here in North Dakota. Uh, they call them the bison, and so they're supposed to open up uh, the ducks. From what that's I understand. right, so that's right, yeah. and that's uh, that would be a really exciting game. And uh, yeah, always love that game. Always love that game. They play them almost I, I sure every hope year. It happens because I think a lot of people are curious just to see because North Dakota State's kind of been this powerhouse at the Division One Double A level, but then Oregon's a whole different level, you know, of, of football. So it would be very fascinating to watch that game. It's yeah, and Oregon's a whole different, uh, you know, like so often happens. It's a whole different team this year because, unfortunately, we lost our champions to the NFL. So, uh, some you know, we lost at least five really amazing players. It's it, that's what's fun about college. You it's you get to see yeah, every you four never know what years. You get from year to year. You know, yeah, guys you never. Meet, you know, because there's always those young guys that step up. That people have those 18, 19 year old kids that like, who's this? And like, oh my goodness, this guy's good. You know, and then you have this whole new sort of uh, your team for three or four years, and the new guys finally get their opportunity to play. So always fun. It, yeah, it is. It's a really, it's a really fun thing to watch. And so, and you coached one of the winningest teams in college football. 
I, I coached, uh, I, I would say we were not one of the winningest. I, I would say we were a little, little further down the, the, uh, the line there um, as, as the rankings go. Uh, in fact, we were so far down the rankings that they wrote a book about us. Uh, I, I, you know, they, they write a lot of books about coming in first. And so um, I guess they have to write a book or two about who's the worst. And so we, we were featured in this, this book after ESPN came out and watched us a couple of times and sent some reporters out and said, uh, now there's a story out there on the plains. There's this little football program that's, you know, somehow surviving. But um, yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting time in my life. And it was, uh, we didn't win a whole lot of games. I'll just say it that way. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't win a whole whole lot of games, but I understand you still kept up, uh, a winning attitude. You you still had fun playing the game. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I I mean, it would. I could fill a podcast. I think just you know going through the stories of the young men that I coached and the the heart, you know, and the grit and the determination. Um, you know, football is a different. It's a difficult sport to play when you're losing badly uh because you're oftentimes getting beat up physically very badly too and so uh these guys that i coached uh, many of them played both ways I mean, our numbers were so low uh we were kind of one of those unusual programs in the country that had some guys playing ironman football so they're playing on both sides of the of the ball which is it's difficult to do at the high school level at the college level it's a whole other it's a whole other story it's like playing seven eight quarters a game and uh but yeah i just i have immense respect for the for the young men that came out because small college football you're not getting a scholarship you're not really getting a chance to go to the nfl or to the next level for the most part it's just more there's a purity to it it's just more playing for the love of the game and um yeah when you're suffering some pretty devastating losses it's tough sometimes to find a motivation to keep going but but, um yeah always be proud of that team that they hung in there and a lot of life lessons you know to take from that yeah, it actually, it really blows my mind when people can play both sides of the ball like that. It, it it's, I mean, it's tough enough to play one side of the ball, and especially, I mean, it, things were different uh, in those days a little bit. But the college, yeah. the difference in size between high school and college is is pretty mind boggling, and uh, you know, it jumps again when you get in the NFL. But the, even with watching the Ducks, the Ducks when they go up against those Eastern teams, suddenly they look little. You know, the the size has never been a big thing for the Ducks. And when they go up against a team where the size is everything, it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. They're going to get killed. And and occasionally they do. And, yeah, I always I always really feel for teams that are losing, um, especially if they're losing by a lot. And we had an old coach who would not let off the gas no matter what. And I, I always felt bad for the other team and then – you know, we've had some losses like that, so I know what <laughs> I know what it feels yeah. like. But yeah. I, I tell you, there are a lot of times I didn't know who I felt worse for myself and my players. I mean, because we suffered some some doozies. I mean, we we lost some games by you know seventy, eighty points, and and uh, I would look across this, the the field sometimes, and I would watch these coaches that we're we're competing against, and they're in anguish because you know they're trying to decide how do you keep playing players deep into your roster that want to play. They want to come out and do well, whether they're third string, fourth string. So they're coming out to compete and uh, they're still scoring touchdowns and, 
and they're trying to decide do we even pass the ball or when when is it appropriate to stop passing the ball you know and then i'm on my side thinking do we just run the ball and kind of get this uh debacle over with or do we throw it a little bit because if we throw it a little bit and they're incomplete uh we're punting the the ball right back to them and they're going down the field and scoring again so you end up having to kind of fight yourself and play these games within the game and it, it really makes it tough for both coaches a lot of times people don't realize that the winning coach sometimes is is in just as much of an awkward place as the uh the losing coach Oh, yeah, you definitely don't think about that when you're yelling at the TV and telling the coach what play he should be doing. <laughs> you're never, yes. never quite thinking of, about what the coach is actually going through, you know. He's just supposed to be doing what, what you think is right. I mean, what, what's, right. The, what's that guy doing? That can't yeah. be right. And that's always um, – one thing that's always kind of – that always goes through my mind, especially in a, in a – uh, you know, a devastating loss or even a ridiculous win is when, uh, do you feel like just throwing in some insane play? I mean, when you're down by, you know, 50 points or more, do you, do you, is it tempting just to go, okay, let's start throwing in stuff they don't expect or is, or you, is that just throwing caution to the wind too much? Uh, you know, we, we definitely went deep into the well when, when we were losing, uh, we were trying uh, lots of trick plays. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had one little gimmick, and it, it was listed in the book, and, and it was like uh, on a kickoff. We were literally trying to hide the ball. You know, sort of the old uh, bait and switch kind of. Um, there's used to be a play. I think it's outlawed a lot now. It's called the fumble ruski, and uh, Nebraska used to run that play. And uh, it's kind of like a deception type play where you hide the ball, and so. So we did our own little version of that one time, and it uh, it backfired. I think we ended up dropping the ball, got tackled, ended up starting the drive at like our own five-yard line. So we just kind of looked at each other as coaches and said, eh, bad idea. Uh, we, we, we're even having trouble pulling off these trick plays. Maybe not. <laughs> it was better not. stick to the conventional stuff. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're right. I mean, there is a temptation because, you know, you, you want to just pull out all the stops, be as creative as you can. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I would. It seems like that to me, totally. So you have had quite a journey since being a coach. You've gone to all fifty states, which I have a dream of doing. I've gone to maybe twenty, but I've always thought it would really be fun to visit all the states. Uh, you've gone to fifty countries, uh, walked across a country in a twenty-five, or you walked one point two million steps. How many miles is that? Twenty-seven days. How many uh, miles? It was a little over five hundred miles. So okay. the, it was the Camino de Santiago. So it's it's like a pilgrimage in Europe, and um, starts in France, and then walked across a uh, little slice of France and most of Spain, and it was yeah, a little over five hundred miles. Wow! And in a twenty, and did you think I'm going to be? Um, uh, tough and wear a $25 pair of shoes or does that just, were you not really thinking I would need a better I, pair of shoes or you, you know, yeah, or you just you know, never. Uh, they were comfortable and I, okay. everybody was telling me you need to buy these. You need to get this hybrid shoe. It's, you know, it's a hiking boot that kind of feels like a tennis shoe. And, mm -hmm. and I, I was going back and forth and, and I was, you know, what short shoe should I get? So at the end of the day, it, it was like two days before I was ready to get on the plane. And I'm like, well, even if I buy a good pair of shoes now, just wearing them in, it's going to take time and probably going to go through the whole blistering thing. So 
I'm going to go with the comfortable shoe that I already have worn in and see what happens. Now, 27 days later, and, you know, almost 1.2, 1.3 million steps, uh, I had a Fitbit, so I would like, you know, I would mark my progress every day, but the shoes held up. Um, you know, my feet, I have to say they took a beating, though. I was definitely, I had some sore feet after that, <laughs> after that experience. I'm not sure, I don't think I would do that again. I think I would invest in the better pair of shoes, wear them in for two or three weeks, and then try that route. But, uh, yeah, somehow made it through that. So if anyone uh, is listening to the podcast and thinking of doing the pilgrimage, get a good pair of shoes. <laughs> yes, yes. Best advice and and make sure you understand how to how to uh, you know treat blisters. That, that'd be the second thing because they're going to happen. <laughs> oh yeah, well I imagine no matter how good your shoes are, you're going to get blisters walking that much. Oh yeah, and there's all kind of tricks, you know, different things I learned, sort of how to you know putting Vaseline on your feet, start changing your socks, and all different sorts of little tricks you learn. But yeah, it's they're pretty much inevitable. You're putting your feet through that much abuse. Oh, yeah. That's got to be insane. Absolutely insane. And you are in, uh, what are things in North Dakota like these days? You're on a farm, right? I, I live, I'm surrounded by farms. I, I don't have a farms. farm where I live. Oh, okay. I'm kind of like that little proverbial how, little house on the prairie uh, kind of settings, if you can imagine that. But if you go out my backyard, it's just all corn fields. And, you know, I'm in the kind of place where you, you know, it's like an hour to the nearest McDonald's shopping mall, that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. We're about an hour from Aberdeen, South Dakota, and I live in North Dakota. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of think social distancing, like pretty much 365 days a year before you needed to social distance. That's kind of where <laughs> yeah, I live. <laughs> I would say, it wasn't a big change for you. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't a big change. I was just like, hey, what's the big deal? You know? But uh, yeah, it's we're out here on the plains. Yes, it's flatter than a pancake where I live, and I've, I've lived in some pretty mountainous regions, so it's been a little bit of an adjustment uh, being in this flat country. But um, it's you know where I live, it's like a modern day Mayberry, really. Mm -hmm. yeah, one of everything, kind of a little market, little little medical clinic, little hardware store, kind of have basics, fourteen hundred people, and. Um, but it's just one of those salt of the earth, you know, type places. Uh, people are friendly and kind of place people don't really lock their doors. And it's just uh, easy going and kind of easy living. Very, very easy living. So you know, we like it out here. Yeah, that sounds nice. It's it's always refreshing to know that places like that still exist. That there are my uh, I had relatives that had a wheat farm in Washington for well my whole life. They Finally, the eldest finally just retired from it. But um, yeah, different world. A little place called Connell, Washington. You know, okay. same idea. Just there's a few rolling hills um, and wheat forever. So in the winter, it's just empty. It's just fields forever and oh, ever. Yeah. Like that as far as like you can see. That sounds yeah. exactly like it here. It was yeah. an adjustment for me. I mean, even coming here, the winters are. They're, I'm not gonna lie, they're brutal. I mean, they're pretty brutal. Um, oh right. Yeah, the wind is, there's nothing to stop it. I mean, there's not a lot of trees. So the, when the wind comes across the prairie, it just, it hits you and it's it's intense. And um, yeah, winter is a whole different experience out here. And then, but you just kind of learn to adjust, uh, you know, go somewhere in the winter, a lot of people plug their cars in, you know, and then uh, if you're in the little market, you leave your car running. Don't, 
don't really turn your car off when you go shopping. You, you kind of leave your car running. That was a big adjustment for me coming from where I was living in the East Coast because if you leave your car running, you come out, your car probably won't be there any longer. So here you leave your car running, go and do your shopping, you come back out. It's still there. So that's a good thing. Yeah, even here, this is a kind of a fairly small town. Well, it's almost 200,000 now, but, you know, you leave your car running, it'll be gone. We have, I think it's because we're on the, the I-5 corridor. There's just, there's a... A lot of theft here, a lot of crime. Um, so it would it would be nice to be able to do that. But I, it's funny because I noticed last time I went to the area where my um, my cousins grew up and where they had their farm, I noticed everyone now locks their car, and it's kind of sad. It's like now yeah, they they yeah. lock their doors, they lock their car. Things things have changed. Um, things are changing, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And they're getting a lot of flow from uh, Seattle because Seattle got so overgrown. So even way out in eastern Washington, yep. they're kind of getting overflow from that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's sad. But it's it good is to know sad. there's still yeah, there's places. There's a certain simplicity and a certain kind of ease of living that I think, yeah, you're right. We're kind of kind of losing that to some degree. And things are changing a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, ease of living. I remember that. Uh, I think so. Things are different now. It's probably not affecting you as much as uh, a lot of us. Um, I wouldn't think. Uh, is life pretty much still normal since? For the most part, yeah. I mean, we haven't had a whole lot of, uh, I mean, we just finally got our first case a couple weeks ago, like first one in the whole county. And, wow. Uh, wow. So it's, you know, things haven't changed tremendously for us here. Uh, so it's, you know, um, Still, you know, people still talk about it, though, and they're mm -hmm. still aware. Um, uh, down the road in South Dakota, they have had, had a few more issues with, like, one of the meatpacking plants about an hour away, and they had some more outbreaks down there. So That's that just such a strange thing. Effect. Yeah, I've heard about that over the country, that there's outbreaks at meatpacking plants, and yeah. I'm, I'm wondering what the heck they're doing at these... Meatpacking plants. I guess it's just they're everyone is so close together and they're sweating and they're breathing hard. I mean, that's a hard job. I know. It is. Yeah, yeah. That's, I can't that's imagine a, being in all that gear. You know, right? I mean, and that, yeah. that's a that's got to be a tough environment pre-COVID. But then when you're putting on all this extra stuff to keep yourself to provide that layer of protection, gosh, it's yeah, that's got to be rough. Yeah, that's got to be really hard. I, I definitely feel for for anyone working in it working right now in the, in those kind of capacities. I mean, the grocery store people have to, you know, work behind, uh, probably not where you are, but people are working behind plexiglass and yeah. wearing masks when they're not behind the plexiglass and having to, even just having to think about that so much all the time. It's really nuts. Our count, we're in Oregon, right between Washington and California. Uh, California's been bounced around between one and three for the last couple of weeks, couple of days, but uh, last week or so. Highest uh, cases, and Oregon has been really lucky. We are just now seeing spikes, but our spikes are like, you know, going from seeing uh, ten a day to now we're seeing about two hundred seventy-seven a day. And you think, oh my god, that's uh, wow, two hundred seventy. But then you look at, well, there's four point four million people, so that's yeah. that's not it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's all relative. That's 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 not insane. And then you see that well, the hospitalizations increased by two. Okay, I think we have the capacity for two. We, you know, we're we're, yeah. we're not we're going to be okay right now. But it's still it's 
seeing the numbers go up is yeah, it's nerve wracking. It, it is definitely really nerve wracking, you know, because you just have these pockets right now. It seems you know places like I think like Arizona has been hit pretty hard with some increases. I, I know my my daughter's in LA right now, staying with some friends, and she said they're closing some. I think it's bars and restaurants in some certain counties in LA, and and, uh, and I know got some friends in Florida said they've mm-hmm. had some pretty big increases there. So it's, you know, it's certain pockets, it seems, in the country is really, really experiencing some big uh, surges. Yeah. And we are, uh, we used to live in LA, so we're kind of happy we're not there now, um, even though our life would not be that different because where we lived, we could still go out and walk. We were kind of, we were in uh, an area that was kind of isolated. So it, it would probably be okay, but just that many more people it's yeah. having, you know, it's a, it's a little more nerve wracking. Uh, oh, crazy. So now that I'm thinking about uh, living with my wife, she's going to want to know about the dogs and cats. <laughs> you have, I think I saw on your Facebook page, you have what, four massive dogs and a couple of cats that keep them in line? I have, yeah, I have, yeah, the two cats are the bosses, basically, but <laughs> I, have, uh, I have two two large dogs. We have a hundred and and he's probably pretty close to 150 pound uh, St. Bernard Zeus. And then we've got a uh, 130 pound Newfoundland and she's kind of his partner in crime. Two just gentle giant dogs that kind of like being out here in this open country. And, and uh, you know, they're real good with our kids and, and all that. So, um, and then we have, yeah, two cats that get along with them for the most part. And, uh, and then my, my youngest daughter has a rabbit too. So we have like a little North Dakota zoo in our household, five, five animals, five people, five animals. And, um, yeah, it keeps life interesting. Uh, our dogs is, they kind of rearrange furniture when they bump into things. I mean, they're that big. And, uh, but we try to get them outside a lot and get exercise and yeah, but it's, I, I don't know. I've always loved dogs and yeah, I've always been kind of a big dog person so we definitely enjoy them i love dogs and i love big dogs i've never had a dog that big i never thought i could bite enough food but um uh, i've had you know a medium-sized dog which i which was really awesome and uh i just always loved the saint bernards they're such an yeah. awesome breed they're great dogs they're, yeah. they're amazing zeus is just he, he's just so cool he's our first St. Bernard, you know, my wife always wanted a St. Bernard. So it was an anniversary present. I, uh, surprised her, put him on, the, on her. She was coming out of our gymnastics practice one night with my youngest daughter. And I just, I had driven down to Kentucky to get this dog off of a farm. I was living in West Virginia at the time about five years ago. And, uh, so I surprised her. And so she, she absolutely you know, loves this dog, but he's, he's just a big, gentle guy, big, gentle giant. And, um, yeah, and then our, our Newfie, she's pretty much the same. So She's the water beast, though. Those, the Newfoundlands, they love water. You know, She'll lay down in a mud puddle if you let her. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> There's a lot of dogs like that. That's a big dog when it gets, it's even a bigger dog when it gets wet, right? It's, oh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> it doesn't smell very well sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> Suddenly that dog's a lot bigger. <laughs> oh, so you... Uh, Let's see. You recently, not that long ago, quit your regular career and you're starting a new job. That's true. I took the plunge. I, I, 
I was, I turned 49 in December and for a while I've been bouncing the idea around, um, of going back into like a freelance life mm-hmm. and, you know, just the circumstances with some, some cutbacks, uh, where I was working, I was working a small college here and, and I tra- transitioned out of the sports coaching, but I was still teaching, doing administrative work. And I, you know, I just, I really started giving more, more serious thought to, to doing some more writing. And um, also, I started this coaching academy course over in London. It's my wife's English, and so we'd spend a lot of time in England, kind of going back and forth. My, in fact, my two oldest kids are going to go to oldest daughter goes to school already in, in England. My son's getting ready to go over for his freshman year here in the fall. So I was taking this coaching academy course, and I, I really kind of plugged into something that I thought like personal development coaching, like, wow, this is, I can use a lot of my life experiences, the sports coaching, the teaching, the mental health background that I have with counseling. Like it's it kind of like the perfect storm uh, of, I guess you could say people skills and, and things that I'm interested in. So I, I started taking this course and I was getting closer to graduation and I, and I really realized like, this is what I want to do. This is like this is I want to do this. This is this lights me up. Like I, I want to do this, and I, I want to be at home. My wife works out of the house, and I'm like, you know, I, I want to write, I want to speak, I want to do a podcast. And I started just kind of all of a sudden, you know, really thinking about, um, and I don't know, maybe it's turning forty nine too. Kind of did it to me. I was thinking, you know, uh, do I want to stay in this job that's starting to become a little bit more like a soul sucking type job that mm-hmm. I'm staying mm-hmm. in it for the health insurance. I'm staying you know, all these reasons and my two oldest are leaving the nest and I'm kind of like starting to think a little bit about more about what, what do I want to do now? And so it was a big pivot for me. You know, unfortunately my wife was very supportive. She said, you do it. Just, just jump, take, take the leap. Then it'll catch you. And so I, December I handed in my resignation and I, you know, I, Two weeks later, I had a stand-up comedy gig that I was doing back on the East Coast. It was a, a show that I did with a friend of mine, a kind of a storytelling music and a stand-up show. And uh, that was kind of like my first, first creative project that I ventured out onto on my own. And, and now it's been developing my coaching business, finishing up my course, uh, getting back into some freelance writing projects and you know, things like that. So it's it's been an exciting, nerve-wracking you know, and of course, I'm doing it all during COVID, right? I picked the great time. You to pick, kind of yeah, right in the middle of the pandemic. Right. Yeah, <laughs> which is uh, there's a lot of stories like that out there that people are start something and then boom, it you know the world shut down. Yeah, but for exactly. I mean, un- unfortunately and fortunately for you, it's for what you're doing. It's maybe a really good time because you're right. There's a lot of people that need need that kind of help right now that need you know any kind of help but definitely uh i mean i i can see that you're about encouragement and and uh you know striving to be better and all those different things and again i just uh i i see it's to me it's like everyone wants to be a personal coach yep. i've had personal tell i've had people tell me yeah you should be a, a life coach i'm like what I barely got out of school. So it's really refreshing to see someone who's been to three different colleges, who's coached for years of his life. You've actually done a coach. And then you went back to school for, like, what, it was two years, right? To, to yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, you went back to school for two years to learn about coaching, yeah. which also gave you another two years to look at it and see, is this for me, you know, why you kept uh, working a job? I think that's, it's refreshing to see that. I It, it feels like you would have a lot um, to give people, a lot of, you know, a lot of life experience and now a lot of training to give back to the world. I, I appreciate that. I thank you for that. It's It's been very empowering for me just to kind of go through the process. And, you know, when I worked in mental health, it, mental health is so much of a question of kind of looking at your past and looking at the why am I this way or why do I feel this way? And one of the things I really enjoy about coaching is just it's it's really looking at like your strengths mm -hmm. and you know, and, and some of the limitations that we put on ourselves, like the stories that we tell ourselves or the stories that society tells us, the stories that our parents tell us. And a lot of times those things are they're self-limiting. But coaching is also very, very forward focused, you know, so it's kind of drawing in, um, you know, what do I want out of life? What do I want my life to look like? Uh, and then getting clarity around that and getting that into alignment with your values and beliefs. And it's, you know, it's that forward focus that really, I think a lot of times gets people to kind of engage their creativity, you know, mm -hmm. their imagination and, and things that a lot of times you don't, you haven't used since you were a kid. You know, you think about how the average kid kind of gets through the world and it's sort of a create using creativity and thinking up things to do and using their imagination. And I think when we become adults, a lot of times we're like, okay, fun's over. It's done. You know, that's part of my childhood. But coaching, I just really kind of help people re-engage with that. And that's been, I'll tell you, that's, that's magic. You know, it's been really, really exciting. Um, I was talking to a guy earlier today that, you know, just in the last six weeks, he just left his position and uh, was working in a pool company. And uh, he wanted to be a personal trainer. And he, he got out of the pool business just within the last month and a half, started his own personal training company. He's got eight clients already. He was scared to do this two months ago. I talked to him today. He's through the roof. He's like, I cannot believe that I'm doing this. And people are, I can't believe it. So it's, it's so exciting to hear stories like that and he's like i think he's mid-40s and he was like me he was kind of afraid to take that plunge the fear the self-doubts the stories we tell ourselves the imposter syndrome you know those kinds of things sometimes can, we can get in our own way and, and coaching really helps people unlock themselves and so yeah it's been it's been a good fit for me that's awesome and i can relate to all those things as a uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an actor. I was, I was a musician. Maybe I still am. Uh, now I'm a podcaster. So uh, all that stuff hits me every day. You know, it, it, we're, I'm always like, should I even put this podcast up? What the, what's, <laughs> who am I? Who am I to be who talking to I the world? That, yeah, and, you I know, far too often. Yeah. It's, and uh, it's, that's kind of the idea. You have to remember that that's just, uh, that's, that's like, not real. It's just your past talking, right? It's just right. It's your ego. It's your past. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's that version of ourselves. You know, the ego. It's 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 a concept. It's a construct. It's a version of ourselves, but it's not. It's who we think we are, but it's not truly who we are. And and sometimes it does cause us to get in our own way. But yeah, you're right. You got to put it out into the world, just like you're doing. You got to do it. Yeah, and it's more difficult than I ever imagined. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, I see a, a lot of personal um, uh, development coaches or just development people, a lot trainers who are training, trying to train everyone to to do to be the best they can be, 
And they put out videos uh, at least once a week, sometimes almost every day, and it, it just blows my mind because it, it, it really takes a lot of energy. It, it, people don't realize just to sit here and, and talk. Um, I, I much prefer it with people. Like <laughs> That's why a podcast for me is so much better. At least I'm talking to somebody. Um, it's, it's very difficult just to stare into a, a screen and talk, and so many people are, are doing that now that you know, have a lot to say and are, are very encouraging and, and are, it's, uh, I think it takes more energy than people realize for them to, to do that all the, t- to do that and put that energy out there. And, uh, anyone who's doing that, I really I applaud. I think it's really awesome. Totally awesome. And, uh, you were talking about, um, you've got a great website created. You were talking about the possibility of starting a podcast and we were, we were getting in a little of that before the show. So, uh, yeah, what do you, uh, is, is there anything, any question I might be able to answer about starting a podcast or anything I can help? I, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I, I think I'm in that, you know, that, that stage where I've, I've got the general idea, the general concept and just kind of briefly go through that. It's going to be more of a sort of, um, uh, I guess you could say informational, instructional. I would also say inspiration, yeah, informational, instructional, and really it's going to be offered for people who are looking to, um, you know, kind of reinvent themselves. You know, people that are maybe in overwhelm, stress, anxiety, uh, they're stuck, and they're just kind of wanting to, to, to possibly even monetize a hobby or something that they enjoy. You know, they want to kind of take that leap and build the life that they've, they've always wanted to live. And so, so my idea is kind of bring on just a variety of different guests, you know, people that maybe other coaches, uh, you know, actors, people like yourself. I mean, people that have a, that have a great story that can really kind of into this positivity and putting positive vibes into the world and, and, and have a blueprint, or, you know, or a compass. Say, here's, here's how I did. Here's how I did it. And, here's how I fell down along the way and here's what I learned and kind of talking about the messiness and the humanity of it all. So that, you know, that's my concept, but I, I think um, for like a lot of other people, I think it's, you know, it's just knowing where to start with the tech. And then it's like, you know, you hear a lot of people they're they're using these different services and some people say this one's better. Other people say this one's better. And one thing I do know is that I want to try to get on as many platforms as possible. I know you and I were talking a little bit about that, that because uh, there's a lot of different vehicles out there that are releasing podcasts. It seems like into the e- ecosystem. We know the obvious, the big ones, but I, you know, I guess that's one of my big questions is just, you know, being able to get my message out to as many platforms as possible or as many of the hosting, you know, I'm not even sure what you call them. I guess they'd be the platforms, but um, and and how does one go about that? You know, kind of getting yourself out there so that you're reaching as many audience members as possible. So that's um, it's right. It's hosting services, and yeah. like SoundCloud is a hosting services. They will let you put their podcast up for free. Uh, yes. There are several other hosting services with a free option. If you read what that free option is, it's not a lot. It, it, yeah. it you know, especially for me because. Um, I talk a lot, and <laughs> I tend to, I tend to gravitate towards people that are, that are gonna, you know, have a longer conversation. Especially yeah. when I mean, this is 
the second best thing now that we can do Zoom, it's it's at least I can see the person and talk to them. And if I can, you know, when people are sitting in the room, I mean, I've had three hour conversations because we're just sitting in a table and and talking. And uh, you've yeah. done you've done more homework than me uh, right off the bat. You you're thinking about what it's going to be about. That's a really good idea. I should have I should have <laughs> thought of that. So I I was about five in before I went. Okay, now what is this yeah. about? And I came up with some ideas. Um, the hosting services I am on Libsyn, Liberated Syndication. Uh, you guys can send me a check anytime. Uh, and yeah. so uh, <laughs> I have uh, great things to say about them, and 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 you know complaints about them. The good thing about a hosting platform, and there's at least five. I would go with a with where with what you're talking about doing. Um, if I was uh, going to give you advice, I would say go with a bigger one. You know, look at the yeah. look at the big three. There's and you can look them up pretty easy. If you look up Libsyn, the other like four will come up. Um, obviously, the advantage is they put that podcast out to uh, really as many um, as many places as you can think of. And okay. you, there is some setup in the beginning. The problem with Libsyn that I found is although they say it's really simple, you have to have a little bit of tech savvy. I mean, or ask a lot of questions. Um, the the great thing about that is they will answer the questions. The um, the uh, Rob Walsh, who's the head of He's the head of podcast relations, I think it is. Anyway, he's someone who's been podcasting since 2006, and he has a podcast about – he's a guest on a podcast um, that uh, about podcasting, The Feed. So listen to The Feed, by the way. It's for anybody. It's free. Listen to The Feed. Uh, look through the episodes and, and look at the ones about starting a podcast. And on there, he said, I'll, I'll come on your podcast if you ask. So I asked. So I was able to have him on and and ask him, you know, personally on the podcast some questions. Uh, oh, you can listen to that here too, Rob Walsh. Um, and it was amazing just how open he is and how excited he is about podcasting after doing it for oh gosh, what was two thousand six? So that was fourteen years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, he started like before Joe Rogan even he helped he at one time helped Joe Rogan and and helped Tim Ferriss uh with their podcast he fi- he said he fired himself because they knew you know they knew plenty and they were <laughs> they didn't really need he was like you don't need me yeah. do what you're doing but uh people like that come to him for advice so he's uh, got some great advice so going with a bigger service now they if you're talking about a shorter podcast they start at 5 bucks a month so you're talking about $5 a month because it's all about your storage, how much storage. Uh, I assume you're not going to have a video podcast. These videos I put up separately. So I put up the video on, uh, what's it called? That little YouTube thing. And then, uh, the po- on, yeah, I, I'm starting to hear, I'm starting to see a couple of things on there. <laughs> so I do that separately. And then the audio podcast I put out to them and they put it out like to like 12 different services that I've because I have had to go in in the beginning you go in and you say okay I wanted to go here and you have to plug in the the um I forgot the file basically to all these different services but once it's plugged in every time you say publish it publishes to all those services and then there's a bunch of other services now that um go from Libsyn the grab from those services so there's a bunch of littler podcast places that'll take it from Stitcher, that'll take it from Google Play Music, that'll take it from Apple. Oh, no, no one gets it from Apple Podcasts. No one gets it from them. But uh, (laughs) 
Yeah. The Apple Podcast still has 60% of the market. They started kind of the podcast idea. It's called a podcast. I learned this as a podcaster. didn't know this before. It's called a podcast because they st um, Apple realized that people were doing these and decided they would put them on the iPod. And so, yeah, that was like 14 years ago or something. So that's how um, podcast came about. That's why it's called a podcast. It actually started, the the place to get them was uh, iPods. Now, of course, you can get it anywhere. Um, and uh, they're, yeah, they're taking over. They're like the new audio book. I mean, and, and it is really, it is really calming somehow if you find a good one to listen to. It can also be enraging if you find a really good one to, to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so, yeah, go with a service, look at the reviews, see what you think. Um, most of the time, well, I couldn't really see the actual, uh, what's it called? The actual interface. I couldn't really see till I joined, but there's no contract. It's always right. month to month. Month to month. Yeah. yeah, it's month to month. If you decide, oh, I, I think I really want to change over to this one, it's real simple. And you can, you, yeah. you can like take your previous podcast and go to the next one. If, if I haven't been that frustrated yet. Um, like I say, when I've had problems, they've had really good um, service. Good support. Yeah, good, good support. Knowledge. Yeah. I guess it triggered yeah. another question then for me then. So you're obviously using uh, Zoom. So I've looked into some different remote recording services as well. So I think uh, um, Zencaster, I believe, Squadcast. So is it possible? I mean, is it necessary as a new podcaster to also sort of get one of those subscription services or is it, you know, like we're using Zoom right now? Is that so know? that is that is a really good question. Um the there's a couple that's a it's a loaded question. Um my short answer is no. Absolutely not. Uh, there are two reasons. One, you want to record better audio than they're probably going to record. So you want to figure out some some kind of recording on your computer uh, you can even do it on your phone. There's a free recording uh, program called Audacity. It yes. is a huge learning curve, but if you're, you really only have to learn three things. Like if you learn a little bit of EQ and a little bit of compression for a voice, that's really all you need. And, and you know, how to plug, you already know how to plug a mic in because I can see you've got a mic plugged in. So you've already learned that. Um, the other thing about remote recording services is guess who has that recording? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Uh, they have access to They have, well, it's theirs. I mean, it's it, theirs yeah, you don't have the same freedom. And when you go to someone like Blipson, I mean, I upload an MP3, but I still, I still have that recording. That's still my recording. So I still have more control over it basically. And so if you, if everything is, if some disaster happened and Lipson lost everything, I've still got them all. I, you know, I've, I still could, um, I could re-upload them if I needed to, or, you know, yeah. whatever I need to do. So I always, it's I always think. It's still your property then. You still have it, the files. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. You still have files. So you, you don't really want to give your files away. Just also, it's just, it's just not necessary. It's, it's just not a, a necessary thing. Um, what's tough is that uh, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, there's going to be some tech involved. Um, someone who, you know, the larger, I mean, I was able to start the podcast because I had a lot of tech. Like, I understand computers. I worked as a, uh, I was yeah. working as an IT person at a small uh, office where I worked. I understand audio because I've been um, 
I wanted to learn it to to have better audio on on home recordings and things like that. And I learned that uh, the only way to sometimes the only way to get really good audio for free is to learn how to do it. As oh, you know, I, I've never had a. If I had a ton of money, I would just go to nice studios all the time. I would be sitting in a nice studio now. And and uh, if enough, if if this gets big enough, I will probably hire some people to help. I'll hire some techs. Um, yeah. So it's something to think about too. Do you want to hire someone? At least to tech, to tech it for you in the beginning, because once you have the the basics down of your podcast, then you're pretty much done. You don't need to keep keep doing it. You know, it, it, it's going to be the same no matter what you do. There's a, there's not going to be a lot of a lot. You're not going to change a lot as you go yeah. along. You know, um, maybe after a hundred podcasts, you will go, "Well, I need a different mic," or or if uh, because you're not a tech person, that's not as likely. But as someone like me, um, you know, I'm on my third mic, but that's only because uh, I'm silly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like this mic. Is I bought this to replace another mic. And it, it's more related to recording drums than anything else. I bought a nice podcast mic because I thought I just want to, uh, I want to have the best equipment possible. And, and so I spent a little money that I definitely don't need to spend. You can get a decent, unfortunately there's 10 of them, but you can get a decent USB mic that'll plug straight into your computer without a mixing board or anything. There's also now, Speaking of tech, there are also boards. Um, now I forgot the name of it, but I keep being advertised this board. My buddy even sent it to me in a text. Um, but it's a board that is specifically set up for podcasting. Really? So you can record straight to it, which means you can podcast anywhere. And it's about the board. It's little. It's probably this big. It's a okay. very small unit. Uh, it has a couple of inputs, and it has inputs like for a phone. So you can record someone on the phone and your own self, just like it's already set up for it. Um, so there are several things like that out there now, and those are about $500. I mean, the board by itself that I use was $1,200 when I bought it. So, um, yeah. you know, the expense is going way, way down. And like I say, you can buy a nice, you can buy a decent, um, uh, USB mic because I've talked to people on them um, through Zoom, and those are only around a hundred dollars. And then you, you know, that really ups your sound because the better you sound, the better your podcast will be. No matter what, you know, you no matter what your guest sounds like coming in from wherever phone or Zoom. Uh, I have the advantage of being able to go in and, and I fix the. I do some audio fixes, so. Mm. That's another thing that a lot of people hire someone to do. So, you know, a lot of people who start a podcast, they hire, um, they hire a tech person, they hire a producer, and the producer does. Then you don't have to worry about putting your podcast up and editing it. The producer does that basically, and then they hire like a promo person. So, um, those are kind of the things you got to think about when you're doing it on your own. Uh, yeah, think about the tech. Think about um, you. You know, you are you're suddenly a producer. Uh, and you're going to have to promote it somehow. And the the greatest thing that Rob Walsh said on my show, and I've heard him say it uh, at least four other times on his own show, is podcasts still grow um, by word of mouth. So that's actually, for people like us, extremely encouraging. It's still yeah. the people sharing the podcast. So please share this podcast, uh, whoever's listening. If you like the podcast, share it. Thank you. And then, <laughs> so, you know, it's it's creating email lists. It's getting it's being on social media. Um, you have a fair amount of friends on social media. Having your friends share it out there more. I, I mean, the biggest 
podcasts out there now were they were really aggressive about um, helping people get it out there, helping people share it, helping people making making their own people know about it. Um, you know, being a best-selling author, of course, helps, but just to start yeah. with, it's it's not about. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not about spending a ton of money on advertising and stuff. And there's nobody, nobody has found like the golden ticket to advertise a podcast, which I find very interesting. People are still fumbling. Uh, another interesting fact, podcasts have gone up by 900,000 since I started. So just since I started, it was a fairly small niche. Just since I started, which is about a year ago now, 900,000 people have added their podcast to the, yeah, it's really incredible. And a lot of them, um, another thing that uh, statistics show, lips and statistics, because they talk about their statistics on the feed, is that a lot of people never get past 10 shows. So if you can make 10, you know, you're on your way. If you can get past your 10th episode. And something I would recommend that I I mean, I started just as, hey, let's try this. Let's throw it up there. It was really silly. And uh, I just started putting them up basically from the first episode. But I really would recommend anyone new at it, do five. Yeah. You know, do like five episodes. And then you have um, a nice uh, start to put up. So you're going to give people, uh, you give them, you know, you put up one a week for five weeks. Now you got a big head start. So yeah. now you have a five-week window to to keep booking guests and and keep going and keep doing yeah. stuff like that. I've I've read about that too. Just that you know, sort of almost like you're the batching in a way. You know, it's almost like it's the Netflix phenomenon. You know, if people start listening to you and they're like, "I, I kind of like this," I'm going to tune into the next one. And it's like, "I kind of like that second episode." I'm going to check out third episode. It's like if they have to wait. You know, they're less likely, but like Netflix realizes, boom, they drop content, you know, it's like there's whatever, there's the whole season or there's, you know, it's, it's just like giving people that opportunity to be, uh, I guess, almost like binge. It's that binge behavior type of uh, mentality that you can tap into, especially because I've even thought about for, you know, maybe doing uh, anywhere from five to 10 podcasts, batch producing them maybe five or six where I just, just me talking. So people kind of get to know me and then lining up maybe four or five guests and getting them all done and then dropping them and say, Hey, you know, I've, I just dropped whatever, eight episodes or 10 episodes. I mean, I don't know if that would be a smart way to do it, but it, it seems like there would be some method to the madness of having sort of this, you know, multiple episodes done ahead of time. Um, yeah, I think that might be a really good idea. I mean, what I was talking about is is having episodes that you can then then you have uh, some time uh, to make Build the next up. episode. But throwing gotcha. out eight is also a really good way to do it. I mean, I think that would probably be just as effective because um, a friend of mine, hey John, we were just talking uh, yesterday about how uh, when I look at my stats, I f I see that oh my first episodes are getting hit almost as much as the I mean. Whenever I put out a new episode, my early episodes get more listens. So I do think there's that menta mentality that someone listens to a podcast. If they think it's okay, then they do get they get that idea that, oh, I've got to listen to them all. I, and 
on this podcast, there's definitely no reason to listen to them all, except it's an amazing story and you should hear it. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> there's, there's no reason to go back and hear every episode, but it, it's not episodic is what I'm trying to say. But that whole binge culture is is definitely there and people want to binge on whatever it is. So, so yeah. yeah, and, you know, they want yeah. to have more. That's why when you get past, you know, if you, you want to get at least 10 out there for people, uh, if you throw down eight at a time, I think that will be. I, I, w- I would say that would definitely be an advantage. That would be a good thing to do. Yeah, it's almost like the COVID culture kind of feeds that binge uh, mentality, doesn't it? Because I mean, in a lot of ways, we've been a captive audience, and people are just looking for content. You know, when you think about the last four or five months, uh, so you know, so many people have been at home, and you know, like, okay, I'm done with Tiger King. I'm, I'm yeah. tired of watching the news and just getting the steady flow of <laughs> the world is spinning, uh, you know, uncontrollably. I want to go listen to a podcast. You know, I, I need something. I need some uh, some fuel in my life. I need some positivity. Or I want to do some learning, you know, because that's one of the things that really draws me to this whole ecosystem. It's just hearing other people's stories and, you know, uh, uh, just hearing about learning. I mean, just the amount of learning and things that, uh, that I think you can pick up by listening to people that, that have had these experiences, you know, sort of all over the world, I think is really, really fascinating. And we, we can do it from, you know, can do it from the comfort of your living room, literally, or your studio. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's been a, a real mind blower for me because I didn't, I mean, I thought I, I had no idea like how many different people I would be able to have on. Um, it's really helped to have a service, podcast guest service has it's saved my podcast in a way. I mean, I took a month off just because I was overwhelmed when this all started. It was just, it was overwhelming to try and think of, well, how am I going to do this? Because telephone con- podcasts are okay, but yeah. they're, I don't know, it's tough. I mean, I yeah. I really like having people sitting here and talking to them. So once I did a Zoom podcast, I was I was able to just think, hey, this works too. This totally works. I can do this. And people are responding. I mean, I can't believe how many people responded to the the little newsletter and and um, asked to be on the podcast. That's that's totally blowing my mind. Uh, I haven't even caught up to that yet. Um, I I have some some work to do, but uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's really been mind boggling. The weird thing about the the crisis is that um, from what I've heard, the the listenership of podcasts has gone down. Really. Well, because people aren't in their car, and oh. at home, they're with all their kids. They're with all suddenly they're at home with all their kids and dogs, and so it's hard to listen to a podcast. I mean, especially if they're listening to a Joe Rogan, you know, because you might not want to listen to that with your kids. <laughs> it might not be what you want to have on, or or several podcasts of that ilk. Uh, and the but the amount of podcasts being produced, su- no surprise, has gone up because. Lots of people are at their home. Lots of people are, are you know, they already had uh, a business that they wanted to promote. And that's something that's new, too. Podcasting is just, it's turned into this, um, somebody got the idea out there that a podcast is a great way to promote a business. And maybe it is. I'm not sure. I think that that kind of wave will go down. I mean, and with what you're doing, you're, it's different. It's not just, it's like, it would, it's more part of your business. It's more part of it. It's, yeah. it's, you know, you're trying to help people, which is a big, a big part of the podcast industry is, is, you know, putting good information out there for people. 
Um, but there's a big like you've got to have a podcast if you've got a business thing, which yeah. isn't necessarily nah, no, you don't. Yeah. If you to me, it's like if podcasting isn't fun for you, I mean, if you do those first eight and you think it's a huge chore, it's it's not gonna work out for you. Like I've right. uh, I get so psyched up. Um, especially by the middle of a podcast. Yeah. Uh, I just love it. I mean, I love, you know, sitting down with different people all the time and and, and figuring out where it's going to go. It's really exciting to me. Um, and, and I'm always, I've always, I think always, have I ever not liked the result? I think I've always liked the result so far. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I some, relate to that. I mean, I yeah. feel like I'm a kid in the candy store right now. Just listen to you talk. Like it's, it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to, you know, I want to hear more of this because it's just, I, I really love the, you know, just the opportunity of, of, um, sharing. And I think that for me, podcasting, even though it will go hand in hand with my business, I think even if I didn't have the business podcasting, something I would really want to do because it just, it fits with my, I love to talk. I'm curious. I know, I'm always the guy that when we're out, you know, and I'm tailing behind the rest of my family and they're like, who are you talking to now? And I'm like, oh, just talking to this guy that, you know, we started talking about this. And they're like, oh, do you know him? I'm like, no, no, but I do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a Facebook yeah. friend now. <laughs> yes, it, it's there just you know. curiosity <laughs> about people and their stories. And, um, I, you know, this is only like my fourth one, fourth uh podcast that i've been on i have to say when i know i'm gonna do one of these like i woke up today and i'm like i i can't wait to meet you and just to be on the podcast because i'm like this is just my element i love this you know this just this whole experience so um so yeah i it's it's you know it got me to thinking is i'm just gonna have to take the leap and kind of get through the tech and you know it's it's a lot like writing um I've heard I've heard writers say, "Do what do you like more? Do you like having written, or or do you like writing? You know, because all writers like having written. You know, once the book's out there and it's done, and they're you know, but I, I like the process of writing too, and I and I think it's going to be that way with podcasting. You know, I I don't want to be the person who always wants to have a podcast. I want to be the person who's doing the podcast, and and that's going to take. It's just like anything else. What they say, there's a devil at every level, right? And it's the initial level is for me is going to be getting through some of the initial tech and the equipment and the probably the editing and some of the things that you were talking about. But I feel like once I get over the some of those initial hurdles, then it sounds like once you've done the initial, that it's not like you're having to reinvent the wheel each time. Then you know, it's just a matter of kind of rinse and repeat once you sort of understand sort of the basic steps of you know of the editing and and the tech and that kind of thing so yeah so i know that's that's kind of imminent for me and i'm you know a little bit scared about it you know a little bit like oh gosh just jumping into a lot of stuff i don't know a whole lot about but that's why there's people to ask questions you know even what you've shared with me has been so helpful i mean i'm sitting here taking this in because uh picked up some pointers today well, also, um, you have, is it four children? I have three. You have three kids. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. There's your tech right there. You got. <laughs> I thought about asking my son because he, you know, he's, it's, you know, he, he's, he's pretty sharp. And, uh, there you go. Uh, you know, 
okay, maybe it's be a little part-time job. <laughs> Say, yeah. hey, you want to be my podcast uh, well. production manager, my editor <laughs> slash, you know, jack of all trades podcast guy before you go to England. And then maybe dad will learn it by the time you go to England back, you know, over to school in England. And, and I can sort of, you know, figure out my own stuff by then. But yeah. Young brains, though, they're such a good resource because in most cases, they're, they're way ahead on tech than, than we are. You know, it, it's like... Phew. Yeah. I, I I do help my niece, but that's an unusual circumstance. You know, most most kids are way ahead of their parents on tech, right. so it's not a bad right. not a bad resource. Uh, you're you're so right about that. It's just it's their language. I mean, I'm always going to my my 13 year old saying, "Hey, how do you do this? My phone's stuck in this mode. How do I get out of this? How do I do this? How do I download the, You know, and I remember I was on a flight a couple years ago on Southwest Airlines, and they were telling everybody, you know, to kind of put their tech stuff away and you know, and put their uh, put your phone on airplane mode and stuff and that kind of stuff. And I said, if you're not really sure how to do that, I said, find the closest uh, ten year old that you're sitting yes. here, and they'll help you with that. I'm like, that is so true. You know, <laughs> it's so it true. is. Yeah, <laughs> they they've already seen it enough times. They, they know. <laughs> yeah, the ten year olds will know how to do it. That's right. They'll figure it out. Let the pilot fly the plane, and the ten year olds will get the tech turned off, and everybody on airplane mode. <laughs> everybody, we. <we've, yeah. laughs> That's so funny. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, but it, uh, <laughs> the tech stuff is a pain in the butt, but it it definitely is a you know once you got it down. I I still do tech because I and I'm an audio engineer, so I will hear things in almost every recording that I want to tweak. But it's totally, it's not necessary. I mean, um, I see a lot of big shows that are probably not doing that. They're just, they're just recording the audio and they, they edit it up a little bit, but mostly to put ads in. And that's another thing you want to decide is, is, um, is it, is it going to be more produced or is it going to be more kind of live? And, you know, if, um, if it's more of a live feel, there's very little editing. Uh, I mean, I, I, t I forgot to tell you at the beginning, but I usually tell my guests, if you want me to edit something, you know, if you say something you don't want your 13-year-old to hear, I can edit that out. But right. uh, but other than that, um, I like to keep it live. And I think the people listening so far, um, no one said otherwise. I think they like, you know, the live feel. There's been some major um, – I've made mistakes where I've had to edit. and I, Or I've had people drop out, like literally drop off the call. And so I, <laughs> I've edited things like that. Um, you know, fell off a chair or something. And there's been a couple little accidents, but mostly yeah. uh, it's fine just to, to go and, you know, this kind of conversation we're having is probably really entertaining. It's entertaining for us. So, so it's probably entertaining for other people. That's, that's the other thing that's interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's exciting too, because, you know, you're thinking there's an audience of people out there. And if it, I always thought, you know, if you can pick up one nugget, you know, uh, when I used to go to the coaching clinics, you know, for the football clinic, because I thought in this two or three days, if I can learn one thing a day that I can take back with me, it usually felt like a pretty big success, you know. So when you listen to something like this, you know, maybe somebody picks up a tech, a, a pointer on tech, or they pick up, you know, something else. And, and so I think it's, it's exciting to think of all the different things that people can take away from a live conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I try not to think about it too much. As far as I, as far as I know, it's just me and you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I can't imagine if, uh, you know, I always think, oh, man, wouldn't it be great to have a ton of listeners and, and so I could get a sponsor and da-da-da-da-da, and then I think, uh-oh, but then I would have a ton of listeners. And they'd probably want something. They, they, they would have something to say about Careful the show. What you wish for, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, so let me see. I did want to ask. Uh, I'll, I'll make this a two-part question. Yeah. What was like the maybe biggest thing you learned visiting all fifty states? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I, I think really just that each area really has regional differences, you know, I mean, local color, if you will. But I think just, but there's a commonality, though, amongst, you know, and I, I would even say this visiting the different countries too, but I think that, uh, you know, the people, are in a lot of ways the same. And mm -hmm. A lot of times, I think we just hear about the differences that people are having, especially in the media right now. Oh, we're all we're all divided. We're all you know. And of course, there's there's polarization. But I think what I really learned to appreciate is that no matter where I went, where I went, you know, people are they're after a lot of the same things. You know, um, you know, something to do. You know, that's meaningful. Somebody to love something to look forward to you know and so when i had conversations with people around the country it's like wow there's a lot of commonality a lot of similarities here you know that i see and, and i think the other thing is just the sheer beauty of the united states you know i think seeing different places on postcards is one thing and then getting out and hiking maybe at, you know big sur or you know um you know, uh, getting into the uh, the Rocky Mountains and uh, or the jagged coastline of Maine, you know, or or the plains of the of uh, the Midwest. I mean, there's just so much diversity and so much beauty in America, and I think that's the other thing that really just shines through. That um, it's a big country, it's a diverse country, and it's it's a very, very beautiful country. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that really is amazing. I mean, even in, I live in a pretty large state and I live next to several large states. And even in those states, there's so much, there is so much uh, amazing places to see. I mean, Oregon has a massive desert. People forget that. You yeah. know, half of it is kind of like a rainforest, but the other half, no, two thirds, two thirds of Oregon it's basically a desert, and I love the desert as well. And it's the same with California. California is uh, got this massive desert because people think of L.A. and they think of palm trees, but those were all planted. That was actually a desert, and uh, it must look amazing now since they've somehow got rid of all this pollution. Just poof. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, Amazing. the whole state, then you go up to the northern part of California, and it, it's a Big Sur area, um, elephant seals. Have you, be, have you been to that beach where the elephant seals are? I, I, I don't, yeah, I'm trying to remember where I was at up that way. Um, I was up, up, I'm trying to think, by the Bixby Bridge. I think it was always a Highway 1 that way, mm -hmm. but I, yeah, I'm not sure I know that the elephant seals, yeah. It's right by Hearst Castle, and now I'm forgetting the actual city that okay. it's close to. 
But we yeah, gonna... so you go north of San Luis Obispo, and it's yeah. San Simeon, I think. Yeah, San Simeon. So I know what you're talking about. That's yeah. it. Uh, my yeah. uh, my now wife and I, girlfriend at the time, we were going to go to Hearst Castle. And so right below Hearst Castle, we pulled over on this beach. We're like, oh, there's a beach. Let's go there first. And it was the it's the elephant seals mating area. We had no idea. <laughs> so there's all these giant seals. Uh, yeah, just a, an example of so much to explore in in the in the U.S. Wow. So much to see. Yeah, it was mind boggling. Uh, uh, a male elephant seal is really huge and really ugly and just something to see. <laughs> I'm having this image really of yeah. something to see. To probably to see that live is probably a whole other experience. And that's yeah, that's that's kind of like you were saying when you see these areas uh, for yourself or actually see them, and it's not on television. It's just mind-boggling. Um, I still am, and I still am blown over when I hear people say, "Oh, I went to the Grand Canyon. There's a hole in the ground." I, I mean, I've heard that from more than one person, and I I'm just like, I don't. I understand how you could think that because <laughs> I went there and was, you know, when I lived in LA, it was an eight hour trip. So we could go for an overnighter and, and yep. go camping and, and go see the Canyon and just, you know, blows me away. And there's places like that all over the place, all over the U S I know. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite areas is down like Southern Utah, which is not, you know, a couple hour drive from the north rim of the canyon. A lot of people go to the south rim of the canyon, which is beautiful, but I like sometimes going to the north rim of the canyon and that whole area, you know, just the, the deserts and the, the red rock and, the, you know, there, there's a stretch down in there where you've got, you know, like Zion National Park and and Lake Powell and the north rim of the Grand Canyon. and just It's just absolutely stunning. Yeah, my uh, sister, I have a sister that's been to that area uh, twice now, and that's de- that's definitely on my bucket list, because I've always been to the South Rim, which is, it, it seems like the more touristy area, yeah, but yeah, also you can you can take a little walk and go halfway down the canyon, yep. which is pretty crazy. Um, and at the time, it wasn't that crowded. We also, when we first went, there weren't fences. I think they put fences now. But okay. you can walk to the edge and we walk to the edge on a full moon and when you stand on the edge and look out it's like you're standing in space i mean it's like you're standing nine thousand feet above the river oh i bet that's something else oh it knocked me over i mean i literally had to back up and and go on my knees because it was like whoa hold on and then i crawled back over there because you couldn't see you can't see where you're standing on you can just see the canyon it's really yeah it's really mind-blowing Now, yeah, oh, now you can do it on a invisible uh, uh, glass, not glass, but, you know, now they have that, uh, oh, I forgot what it's called. It's like a big balcony. Yeah, it's like that walkway. It's yeah, like it's yeah, like a walkway. Walk you can walk over. out yeah. over. I don't know if I could do it. I don't, I'm not sure about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it looks scary. <laughs> I hope there's some good engineers to put that together. Uh, yeah. Somebody yeah. had an off day. And, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I can do that, but uh, yeah, it makes I, me nervous. I haven't checked that out yet. <laughs> but there are so many places like that to to see. Uh, yeah, I look forward to it one day when I can go back to traveling. I can. I know we can travel to all these areas now. Uh, the problem is uh, using public restrooms and stuff on the way. <laughs> Oh, I know. <laughs> it's like, I, know. I feel like going to a park is probably just fine. It's just that getting there yeah. may There's not probably be. a lot more people using parks now in that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
there i guess the parks are really full right now there that's what i'm hearing yeah, we were uh we drove through um yellowstone uh, about six seven weeks ago and the park was still closed we just kind of drove through the part of the park where nobody really goes to it's not a place where you don't have to pay and um but the main kind of touristy part of the parks were still closed when we went through but uh yeah it was it was quiet just you know hardly any activity and and uh, it was just really weird being because i used to live near yellowstone literally mm -hmm. about 10 minutes from yellowstone and uh it was um this time of year you know people were packing it in there so it was just really odd to see the place in may with virtually empty oh that must be strange yeah i've seen a lot of pictures too of the animals around the lodges and and yeah know, just kind of taking it back over where people yeah, i know eat, there's been a lot yeah. of encounters lately i've noticed i wonder if like the animals are you know like they're they're wondering where all the people were for a while and then all of a sudden the people are now starting to show up in yellowstone in droves and it's like you know i'll be on social media and i'll be looking i'll be like i think yesterday a 72 year old woman was gored by a bison in the park and then there's been some bear encounters it's like this all of a sudden it seems like there's a lot more animal encounters going on in the park they they probably are not used to the people anymore uh you probably know it only not. takes them yeah. a few months to to go hey yeah. this is our park again what, yeah. are you, what are you doing here yeah, what are you doing here uh, yeah <laughs> man seeing we went uh, a couple years ago to uh yellowstone and seeing a buffalo right in front of your car is that is really an experience. That is a big animal. You probably see him a lot. A large animal. Yeah, that is a, a big animal. Where did you live near north near the? I lived in a town called Big Sky. Okay. For a while. Yeah, that's so Montana, it's a, right? It's a ski resort town in Montana. It's uh -huh. about uh, it's about forty five minutes from West Yellowstone, and uh, but it's only about a twenty minute drive to the border of the park. And um, so we used to go hiking and rafting in the park quite a lot. And then a couple of years later, we moved over to West Yellowstone. So we, you know, my wife and I lived there before we had kids, but we lived, I coached, in fact, I coached junior high football in the town of West Yellowstone for a while. And we used to have to travel through the park sometimes to play our away games and uh, to these other little towns located near the parks. So I remember stories of, you know, having to chase elk off the football field so we could play a game because, you know, these little towns like Gardner and, and uh -huh. Bridges and some of these little communities in Montana, but just you know, lots of wildlife. Uh, but um, yeah, I was in West Yellowstone. I could almost throw a stone into the you know into the park from where I lived. It was very close, so you know, twenty minute drive to Old Faithful. Oh yeah, it's right so. there. We st we had a uh, family reunion in Cody. So okay, we would yeah. we went in from the other side from and the, yeah, like the eastern side. Yeah, yeah, like from the Wyoming. eastern side. Yep. So yeah. there was way less, it was nice because there was no crowd going going in and we didn't even bother going all the way around to Old Faithful because there's just so much to see. It's it's oh, like, it's mind-boggling. Our first encounter, uh, I was, I can't remember where, where I read it, a guidebook or something said, if you see a crowd of people, pull over. It yeah. means there's there's something going there's on. There's something to see. Something yeah. to see. So crowd of people, we, we go, Pat, there was really hard to find a spot. So we had to pass all the cars and we pull over and my, my, uh, my wife's going, what the, what's, I don't get it. What are we looking at? And I said, well, maybe it's those two grizzly bears right up there. And so <laughs> first thing I saw, which I think is pretty rare was a grizzly bear and two cubs and not very far away. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, the minute yeah. we get out of our car, there was a ranger going, okay, come here, come here, come here, come here. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was very amazing. Cool.
Yeah, I mean, it's a massive park. I mean, it's just, I think, over 2.2 million acres. And mm-hmm. I think, I remember reading, I think they can fit, like, if you were to take, I think it's like Delaware, I believe, and like Connecticut, Rhode Island, so you could fit them in the park and still have a little bit of room left over. So I mean, it's amazing when you think about just how, how big of an area accomplishes. Uh, interesting side note on that. Uh, someone I grew up with, a very good friend of my brother's and still a very good friend of mine, wrote, uh, co-wrote the Atlas of Yellowstone. Oh. Uh, so if you ever have a chance to get the Atlas of Yellowstone, it's a very, it's a big book. It's the first atlas of a national park that ever been done, which still shocks me. And it has uh, a just, it's just full of information about the park. I mean, geological, um, animals, uh History of the park, every anything you could think of, maps, uh, old maps, new maps, all all about Yellowstone. So you should check that out. They do have it at Yellowstone now at the gift shops. Um, he's he works a, a he's a cartographer for the University of Oregon. So it was a joint project between the University of Oregon and uh, University of Montana and Yellowstone, and it's pretty amazing, pretty incredible. It's, yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. It's, it's yeah, very fascinating. Now they've done a, um, a follow-up that's about the ungulates, the ungulates of the Yellowstone. I think it's called the Yellowstone Basin, but yeah. there's they're finding out all kinds of things about the those animals, you know, hooved animals and how far they travel every year and and what kind of things they do, and it, that's pretty fascinating too. They've yeah. done a, a couple of. Um, They've done a couple of maps that show because they had they collared a one of the um, I can't remember what it was I uh, can't remember which ungulate it was, but they had never seen how far these these things actually travel. Um, I think it might have been a pronghorn, but I, I'm I'm forgetting if it was that or an elk. Uh, and they saw that it, it went like almost two thousand miles from winter to summer. So Amazing, huh? yeah, it was it was really something, really incredible. Yeah, it's an amazing place. There's just so much to see there. So we should probably wrap this up soon. Uh, it's been it's been amazing talking to you. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, it's been an honor to be on. I, I tell you, it's uh, I've enjoyed it and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Very stimulating conversation, and uh, appreciate you having me on. You bet. And if you get your podcast going, I mean, when you get your podcast going, you, I would love to be on, love to be on and, and, you know, love to have you back after you've been doing it for a while. And, and yeah, I'd love about, to come back, give you some up. updates and, and have you on as a guest as well. So let's do it. Definitely yeah. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. All right. So, uh, you have been listening to, were you still talking? This is Joel Albrecht and my guest today has been Eric. Oh, damn it. Slavoski. 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 Eric Slavoski. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, uh, Everyone, uh, please share the podcast. Uh, Please uh, leave a comment on iTunes or whatever. I don't know. I'm supposed to put all kinds of extra promotion here, but uh, whatever. I'm just doing it for fun. So, like I always say, be good to each other.